This week's episode of Uncommon Writing is brought to you by Audible. Audible has audiobooks. Whatever you're looking for, Audible has audiobooks for every passion. You can get two audiobooks for free when you start today. Audiobooks are cool, you know? They're good. I wouldn't say they're as good as water. Um, I'd say they're not as good as paper. Hmm. Not as good as fire. Uh, not as good as wood. Not as good as grass. Uh, not as good as a jar. Not as good as a mouse. Not as good as a cushion. But they're better than Ezra. <laughs> hey, I improvised this one. Didn't do so well, should I, on this on this ad. This ad wasn't maybe as good as any as other ones. Well, what do you get with your Audible membership? You get one credit a month, good for any audiobook regardless of price. Your own library to build. You can keep your audiobooks forever, even if you cancel. Exclusive member savings. You get 30% off any additional audiobooks. And easy exchanges. Don't love the books? Hop it for free anytime. Uh, and it's better than Ezra. That's the joke I came up with after all that. Well, you can start your free 30-day trial of Audible by going to BordelGuardian.com slash Audible, and you get two audiobooks to keep whether you sign up or not. That's BordelGuardian.com slash Audible. Better than Ezra. This is a BoardWalk Audio podcast. On comedy writing, on comedy writing. Thanks for downloading this episode of On Comedy Writing, the podcast of the business of craft of writing comedy. I'm your host, Alan Johnson. We've got a great episode, but first, the best way to support this show is by going to boardwalkaudio.com slash oncomedywriting. Click the support our artist button, shop on Amazon and Greenwood. You get a little kickback. Amazon Prime Day just happened, and I believe a little Amazon Prime, uh, they had to shut down. So uh, maybe it's not the best way to support the show, huh? Uh, this week's guest is Tom Ruprecht. He was an intern at Letterman, then a receptionist, then a writer, before working at How I Met Your Mother, The Goodwin Games, the unaired Jon Stewart HBO animation project, and The Nightly Show. He's a cool guy with some great stories. He's worked on a lot of great shows, and I think you'll really like this episode. So here is Tom Ruprecht. Uh, Tom, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, where are you from originally? Uh, actually, I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, okay, cool. So, you know, just across the river. Uh, how about yourself? I'm from Dallas. Oh, really? Yeah, Dallas, Texas, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And when did you come here? Uh, about, uh, August. Yeah. Oh, wow. Relatively new, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, you like it so far? I do like the city, yeah. Right. I came from, I came from LA. Okay. So it's a lot different, but yes. in, in a good way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you can't go wrong with New York. It's you never, you never really worked in LA, right? I, I, only for little spurts. I, I I did um a couple friends of mine for uh, yeah I used to work at the Letterman Show and a couple friends mm-hmm. there created uh, How I Met Your Mother, oh, and right. so uh, I flew out to LA for a month and wrote an episode of that, and then those guys um had another show a couple years later on Fox called The Goodwin Games, which was very short lived. But yeah. I moved out for that and was there for five or six months, and I mean, you know. I, I'm not, I'm not, I grew up always assuming I was the type of, per, you know, like I watched Woody Allen movies and I always, you know, I always had this idea in my head that 
LA's the devil, New York, I would never go, right. never go. But then, like, whenever I would go to LA, it was perfectly fine. You know, I prefer New York, but it's, it's you know, yeah. it's certainly a livable place. I, I find it strange that people have, like, very, uh, very hard-edged yeah. opinions about it. It's like, they're both, like, pretty nice cities. They're livable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you, they have an ocean. There's restaurants. You know, like, yeah. it, it's, it's not the worst place in the world to end up, you know. Uh, so when you're growing up in New Jersey, were you interested in comedy at all at a young age? I was. Uh, I, I mean, I, I kind of was. Uh, I was interested in writing, um, and I really liked. It was at the time when Letterman was like, kind of, you know, like probably at his peak, and so I was one of those people of the generation of like that really kind of shaped what yeah. I thought found funny, and and so. When I was in college, I thought, you know, I might do political science. I might be a writer. I wasn't sure. And then just watching Letterman, he mentioned that they have internships. And on a lark, I just applied for an internship. Oh, wow. And then did an internship there. And then so I was like, oh, my gosh, this is where I want to be every day. <laughs> like, you know, in an office with, yeah. like, smart, funny people. And uh, that kind of really propelled me. Like, this is what I want to make yeah. my career. So when, when you were, like, a kid, were you, like, interested in comedy and, like, watching stuff? Um... Yeah, I don't think I had uh, the Judd Apatow obsession, right. uh, um, but, you know, yeah, I, you know, I was a big fan of, you know, Letterman, Bill Murray, uh, the aforementioned Woody Allen before his troubles, uh, right. I enjoyed him, uh, yeah. And so, uh, when you went to college, did you know, you, you didn't know really, really what you wanted to do? I thought, I liked writing, um, so yeah, I thought I would be a writer in some capacity, this was back in the day when newspapers were still a thing. So right. I thought, you know, I thought, you know, oh, maybe I'd be a political newspaper column. Like having a column was right. probably what I, probably back then, that's probably what I was aspiring towards. You know, like, oh, maybe I'd write about politics or sports or something like that. And then kind of the comedy thing. That's like the last uh, newspaper job that's still pretty, pretty good going, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Uh, those those op-ed guys, <laughs> they make a lot of money to yeah, say whatever they want. Exactly. Yeah, it's a cool. Like actually, when I was when I was at Letterman, I used to occasionally write op-eds for the Times. Oh really? And, yeah, and it, it, it's a cool. I mean, I still think it would be a cool way to make a living. You yeah, know? yeah. It's just, oh, it's definitely cool for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's just yeah. It is. It is so weird because, especially, I mean, I don't know if you've been following op eds recently. The New York Times specifically. Sure. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They're yeah. doing some pretty absurd, absurd yes, stuff. I have not sent anything to the Times in a couple of years because yeah. I feel like, oh, they've they've changed a bit. They seem to have different uh, priorities. The 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 stuff like the Brett Kavanaugh ones. Have yeah. Spe- specifically, been like, uh, I mean, it's like. I don't know much about Brett Kavanaugh, the the judge, but the yeah. carpool dad. Uh, I know. The, like, the, the standard, you know, like, yeah. oh, how do we vote against him? He's telegenic. He's got a good family. Right. It's like, well, if, is that your yardstick? Right. You know, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of families on my block, then, who could have a Supreme Court judge. Yeah. But, you know, uh, yeah. Um, uh, so you got an internship. I did. That's, that's So what was that like? Uh, uh, it was great. It was great. You know, I I uh, I think a lot of people. Uh, I'm generalizing just just from what I witnessed. Um, I, I would see a lot of people who would get internships and kind of be like uh, maybe a little resentful, a little bummed out about like, oh, I have to do copying, and it's kind of right. like I kind of I for me it was just I got there. You know, up to then my whole life had been school, which you know uh, is horrible. <laughs> It's it's boring and and then I get to to the Letterman office and like your day is spent with all these interesting smart funny people and 
it's like it was just like oh my gosh if this could ever be my work you know like like right. hanging out in a place like this I'll do anything. So I was just like, I want to be the best intern I can to try to get, like, you know, I just viewed it as, like, I want the golden ticket that lets me in a place like this. Right. Yeah. Were you were you getting paid? Probably not. No, 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 no. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't. And, and in fact, and, and yeah, that's one thing. Like, interns often now are getting paid because yeah. people have had lawsuits. Like, oh, we're, you know, we weren't paid. And it's like, but that was the gig. <laughs> right. Know? Like, I, I don't understand the lawsuit. It was like, you know. It the, is interesting. I mean, maybe the the idea is maybe they should probably just not have interns anymore, which which just sucks. Yeah, because I guess like interns don't necessarily do enough work to get paid, but also you're using their free labor. It's kind of a complicated thing, I think. I guess, but I feel like if they're getting college credit, you know, they are getting yeah. a, a benefit out of it. And and I just I just thought it was a great thing because, and I'm not saying anything new here, but just like the difference between what you learn in college. And then just the amount of just practical knowledge I learned just in my first month interning at Letterman. Really? It's, it's just you can't even compare. It's like, oh, this is the way the world, you know, the working world operates, you know. And, like, you know, here's how you deal people and here are how office politics. And those are the things you need to know to navigate in the world. And, like, you get that just from the practical doing of, of an internship. Right. And so, yeah, it's a shame if, if that disappears mm-hmm. as an opportunity for college kids, I think. So, uh, how do you work your way up from being an intern? Well, I, I, so, as I said, like, like, the, the, you know, a lot of people would try to, a lot of interns would be like, I'm going to be the funniest guy in the world. And like, that's not at all what you want. You just, you you put your head down and you do a good job and you get noticed by just, even, even if it's like, you're just making photocopies, just make sure they're really well done, (laughs) you know? And like, that's how you get noticed. And so it literally was, um... I did that, went back to college, and then the summer after my junior year, there was an opening for a receptionist, so I came back and was receptionist. Then after I graduated, there was an opening to work on, like, um, the talent department, and then I spent a couple of years doing research on the guests, and all the while, I wanted to be a writer, and I was writing, you know, on weekends and, and at night, but not telling the people there, because it's it can be a weird thing. Right. They they did it more the late in the later days of Letterman, but at the time that I was there, they had not hired a writer internally in a really long time, and so it was kind of um, something I didn't want to push. Um, but then the aforementioned New York Times, so I st- I started writing humor pieces and started getting them published in the New York Times, and then um, and then I wrote a piece uh, uh, for GQ. Uh, that that ended up like on there. They used to have a humor thing on the back page, uh, and so I got one of those on, and then that got the attention of the folks at the show, and then they were like, "Hey, maybe would you like to write here?" And so yeah, it kind of I kind of backdoored in that way. It's interesting because you kind of like proved yourself as a writer outside of yeah. The- I thought that seemed to be the way to go rather than like kind of I just I didn't want to bug people. Right, right. <laughs> you know? No, that seems like the. The, the best way, the least confrontational way, yes. or the least uh, yeah. chance will, of getting uh, shot down into exactly. your face. I will always pick the least confrontational right. way. <laughs> um, so you, when you started at Letterman, it yes. was during the late night days, right? I, I interned there when it was at NBC, right. and then when I went to work, it had moved to CBS. What was it like, uh, like the late night wars when you were like as an intern and like as you were, I guess, were you a receptionist during that time too? Yeah, I was the receptionist. All right, so here's this... All right, this is this is such a stupid story, but but it's indicative of what life can be like in, in TV. I, I I was there, so so okay. So 
Letterman, I don't know how if people know, so but Letterman had the show that followed Johnny Carson. Letterman desperately wanted the Tonight Show, and then when it came time when Johnny was retiring, um, NBC decided to go with Jay Leno instead of Letterman. Letterman was crushed. So I was a I was receptionist that summer that Dave got passed over, and uh, so the guy who made the decision at NBC was this executive named Warren Littlefield. So um, he. And Warren Littlefield was kind of a weaselly guy. I think they used to make fun of him on Seinfeld also, because Jerry right. didn't have his own problems with him, I guess. But anyway, so Warren Littlefield knew Dave was angry. And to try to, like, get on Dave's good side, Warren Littlefield took a picture of himself and, like, blew it up, like, like six feet by six feet, and thought it would be really funny if he sent Dave this giant poster of his face. Which, Wait, of, of himself? Of Warren Littlefield. <laughs> Which uh, I, I I don't understand how this guy thought yeah. it was funny, but you know the fact that he thought that was funny, I think makes sense why he picked Leno over Letterman. <laughs> I think that's that shows you the man's sense of humor right there. <laughs> but so anyway, so so word trickles back to the late show offices um, that that this giant poster is coming, and so Day's uh, assistant comes to me, and and this was someone who she had a bit of a temper. You know, and so she came to me on the receptionist, and she's like, "This thing's coming. We don't know when it's coming, but it's very important that it gets turned away. You know, at the lobby that it never even because we were up on the 14th floor. It must never make its way up to the 14th floor. Warren Littlefield must know that this gets turned away at the lobby of the building. You know, and I was like, "All right, all right." So the guy didn't he didn't like overnight it. So, <laughs> so like, <laughs> you know, Mr. Big Shot TV exec. Yeah. So it it. A couple days went by, and I don't know, I kind of uh, forgot. I didn't right. forget about it, but it wasn't, you know, at the front of my mind. And then, this was the summer, it was July, July happens to be when my birthday is, and so uh, it was the day after my birthday, I had gone out for my birthday, I was uh, very <laughs> hungover. So I'm now at the receptionist's desk, very hungover, and I get a call from the lobby of the NBC building, and they say, we have a package here. And, you know, a lot of packages come to the right. show. And so I was like, all right, who's it for? It's for David Letterman. Dave gets a lot of packages. So I was like, all right, what's the package? And they said, it's a new door. And I thought, okay, you know, yeah. that's not the craziest thing in the world. Yeah. You know, you need a new door. And, uh, uh, all right, send it up. So they send it up, and it's this big wooden thing that, in their defense, looked like a door. But, in fact, <laughs> it was it was the, the box that the giant Warren Littlefield poster was in. And... Uh, so then it, it, the messenger drops it off and I was like, oh, no, 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 this is it. You know, I was like, send it back. And the dude's like, hey man, I just do drop offs. I don't do pickups. <laughs> and I was like, no, you have to take this back down the lobby. He's like, no, sorry, I can't. You gotta, you've got to call the messenger service again. And so he left. And so now the, 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 the box with the poster in it is in the lobby and, you know, Dave's assistant sees it and Dave sees it and I almost got fired. <laughs> wow. People, people were so angry at me and, uh. And and uh, I'm sitting there hungover, just thinking like of all the dumb reasons to have your show business career ruined. Like right. I, I picked the dumbest, but uh, uh, luckily cooler heads eventually prevailed. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's insane. It was very it was very crazy. And 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 just one quicker thing. So I, we also used to we used to play every Friday. We would play softball at Central Park, like the 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 the, the show. And um and. So it was a couple days after Letterman found out I wasn't getting the Tonight Show, and 
Dave's up at bat in the softball game, and he smokes one. He hits this, you know, smokes a line drive, but it was right at the first baseman. First baseman yeah. catches it for an out. And Dave was walking by me, and I just heard him mumble, what a week. <laughs> and I just thought that was such a humanizing. <laughs> yeah. you know, I lost the Tonight Show, and I, I, <laughs> I should have been a base hit. He's always making jokes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I mean, it's such a weird thing because I, you know, I was too young then to really understand it. Yes. But it, it is such a strange, like, when you re- hear about it and, like, you know, Leno hiding in the closet. The bathroom. The bathroom yeah, or whatever. listen. Or, no, no, no. I guess it was a closet. Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. Or he, like, called. I don't know. Some little field in a bathroom or something. It was, yeah. It was a very weird cloak and dagger yeah. thing. And it, yeah. it seems, it, it seemed like much crazier than even what happened with Conan and Leno. Yeah, I think I think they were both crazy in their own way. Because yeah. I mean that Conan thing that was that was pretty yeah. strange what they did to Conan. You know, yeah. like, that was just odd. You give him the show and then you're trying. You know that 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 really was uh, unfortunate. I thought for Conan. Yeah, I think well it was. It seemed like to me at least that NBC was it was more NBC's fault than Leno's fault that time. I thought although Leno was kind of like yeah I'll take it back. Yeah, but they made they wanted him to retire. I guess. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I, I, I went back and forth. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people made Jay the bad guy there. But I guess, you know, he kind of got pushed out while he was still on top. And who's to begrudge the guy wanting yeah. his job back? Ah, I don't know. So um, uh, you became a writer yes. during the Late Show Yes, era. Late Show era. Yes. And what was that like, uh, you know, with all the people like that knew you as like, you know, a receptionist and intern, like a kind of a jack of all trades. Yes. Coming in as a writer. Um... It was it was it was a little I don't no not a little it was a lot disconcerting yeah. um uh, yeah because I had never you know I'd been around the show a lot but I had never been a professional writer before and suddenly I was you know my first day I go in to the conference room with these people who were like yeah it it really felt like you know to put it back into baseball terms you know like it felt like. Oh, all my life I've been kind of seeing like fifty mile an hour fastballs, and then suddenly they're coming. Like the jokes were flying so fast, it was like, oh my gosh! And so it, it, it like, and this is the case. I think anytime someone has a first job as a writer, you know, it just it takes a little bit of time to acclimate acclimate yourself to acclimate yourself to uh, just the speed of the room and how how quick people are, and um, you know, especially there where it's a show that's been on a while. So you, been on a while, so you have this kind of long institutional memory and a lot of people have been there and so there are so many inside jokes that are just flying and like it takes a while to like figure out okay what are these inside jokes even though I was working there I wasn't part of the writer's room so I didn't know like these little you know uh so yeah so it 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 takes a little bit before you kind of feel comfortable enough to be talking a lot How, how long do you think that actually like took um it a couple months but like I think I I I got lucky in that like I wrote some while while it could be intimidating in the room I think what saves you is that you're still writing scripts right in your office and so you know I had the luck of writing some some scripts that that turned out well in my own and so then that gives you confidence and so suddenly you feel like you're not you ha- you kind of feel like you've earned the right to talk in the room now because oh I had that thing on last night that was people really liked mm-hmm. and you know so yeah you kind of you kind of slowly uh, earn your way in there, you know. Do you, do you like the like late night schedule where you have to like where there's a show every day? I I I, I used to I used to love it. Um, 
I think I think now I I don't work in the late night now and and I I think I would be um uh I think it, I think it's gotten very tough with Twitter. I I, I really think oh, right. that that I'm I'm you know cuz I'm old. <laughs> I you know I'm old enough that I remember when at 11:30 we used to have the first crack at the new at the comedy wise at the news and now I just don't know. How. It must just be so frustrating for those people every night, you know, mm-hmm. that by the time you come on at 1130, those bones have been picked on, you know, by everybody on Twitter for six hours, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that, yeah, it's, it's a little tough now. And I think it's why a lot of people now are saying maybe there should be some alternative to, like, the monologue. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I don't even know what it would be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think, I think... Uh, folks have had success kind of following that daily show model of kind of right. rather than just jokes, just turning it into a real essay and, you know, really kind of building a, a, a seven minute piece or argument, you know, and I think, I think that gives you an advantage. That's something that can't be done on Twitter. And so, you know, some folks are figuring it out that way. Yeah. I, don't, I, I guess the late night format, I don't know. Does it, do, you, do you think it needs to be shook up more? You know, uh, it's very easy for me to say, yeah. but but um, I I I, uh, I I I look. It's it's no secret that Letterman was you know could be prickly sometimes, and so there were a lot of nights where he would be unhappy with the show, and we would just get this blanket order that the next day the show better be a hundred and eighty degrees different. <laughs> Or he's not walking on. <laughs> and, like, you would get these pro- proclamations. Like, if the show in any way resembles what we've been doing, da, 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 we're not doing it. You need to completely reinvent the format. And I have spent a lot of uh, enough sleepless nights to know it's really tough to reinvent that format. Right, right, <laughs> you know, as, as much as people should say, oh, blow it up and start again. Like, uh, there's a reason why, you know, oh, the, the, you know, people start with this and then they go to mm-hmm. this. Like, you know, it's it's... It's it's a format that often works, so it's tough right. to yeah. What was your approach to writing monologue jokes? Um, to to be perfectly honest, I didn't do a ton of the monologue. I did yeah. I did mostly like you know the top ten list, the desk pieces. Um, I would shoot the remotes uh, where you know like I'd go with Biff to the Republican convention yeah. and shoot a piece there. Um, you know uh, all kind of the the the, the sketches. I would do kind of those kind of things and, and just like, and, and like the, for lack of a better word, the, the, the stupid ideas, <laughs> you know, like, you know, we're going to do this on the roof, you know, all night long. We're going to be, you know, like the watermelon. Off the yeah. Head. Yeah. Like those kind of things, you know, like, and that would literally be like, you know, it would be four o'clock and then we'd get word that Dave says, Hey, you know, I looked out the window. It's a nice day outside. I want a camera up on the roof. We're doing, you know, and so we would scrap everything we'd written and try to think of crazy ideas to do on the roof. Was yeah. there, was there like a lot of times like that? Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. That sounds so crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was there were a lot of times where just on a whim, uh, the show at you know an hour and a half before air would would get ripped up and and we would have to think of something new. That must be uh, a lot of fun though, like doing like, uh, it, you know, it, it's it's it's. I mean, I guess. It should be fun, but in the moment, it's very stressful. And then you also have the frustration of, oh, but this stuff that I've been carefully writing has right. not just been ripped up. And 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 you know, it's just it's just you know, odds are the thing 
that you quickly slap together in half an hour isn't going to be as good as the stuff right. you spent eight hours. You know, like, so there's always that feeling of we're going through all this stress and are we really making it better? I, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> sure, sometimes it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned the top ten list. Yes. Uh, what are, like, the hallmarks of a good top ten list? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I... I, 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 uh, I always loved the template of, because there, there are different templates we could use, and I, I always loved the idea of um, things overheard at blank. Okay. I always found that that lent itself to a, to a very funny top ten list, because um, it, it just, you could just be silly, and it just, it, it allows the audience to paint a picture in their mind, and, and I always, I always like that. Uh, conversely... I, I I really was not a fan, and, and the show would do it a lot, where we would bring in, uh, like, celebrities to do a top ten list. Right. And and it was like, a, it was a natural booking thing. Like, sometimes a celebrity would want to come on, but wouldn't, wouldn't want to do an interview, but they'll do a top ten list. And so, in theory, it makes sense. But in practice, those jokes would always then be vetted by the, by the person's publicist. Hmm. And publicists, by and large, are... Um, Horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> Horrendous people. Um, and so it's like the celebrity often, I, I don't even know, would see the list, but but the publicist would just chop out any joke that actually had a little bite or was funny. Right. And, and, and so invariably you would get just this really watered down, lame top ten list, I found. Did you did you have to deal with like celebrities a lot uh, doing writing stuff? Um, Not a lot. There, there would be... Well, to, when I would... When I would do remotes, when I would go on the road to like you know, oh, you go to the Super Bowl or you go to the World Series, then you're 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 pitching celebrities on stuff and you're getting them to take part in the piece. Back at at the show, it was it was mostly like there were there were a, a a set number of celebrities who generally wanted to do comedy like as part of their guest segment and really produce it and like come in a couple days early and, mm-hmm. and pre tape stuff. So that was like you know Steve Martin, Bill Murray, um, Martin Short. Uh, Bruce Willis always wanted to do stuff. So, like, there was kind of those groups who would, whenever they were on, you you knew, like, okay, we're going to be spending some time and working on something with them. Did you like doing that? I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 I mean, the, the, when I, I, I I left the show, um, I don't know, a couple, I don't know, four years maybe before it ended. And I was, you know, I'd been thinking about leaving for a long time. And then I, sat down and kind of thought, all right, when, when, when is my last day going to be? And, mm-hmm. and I kind of thought like, oh, I'm, I'm going to leave in November. Da, 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 da. And then I was like, all right, well, you know, when in November should I leave? And I literally looked at the calendar and I saw Steve Martin was on, on a Thursday night and like at, near the end of the month. And I was like, I'm going to stick around until that. And so, <laughs> and it turned out that like, I wrote a piece that he wanted to do and he came in. So like my last show was working a lot with Steve Martin. That's awesome. So yeah, so it was really, yeah. yeah like those kind of things are great. What made you to decide to leave? Um, sorry, I took a sip of soda. I'm sorry. I hope that didn't smash up everybody's ears. Um, I uh, I wrote for 12 years there, which was a long time. Those jobs are generally pretty. Uh, they cycle out a decent amount, right? It's it's weird. It's 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 like our show. I don't know how much it is at other shows. Our show used to fire a lot of writers, oh, really? <laughs> so it would cycle out a lot of people that way. Um, but then you would have some people who, you know, people who stuck often would stick around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so there were some who spent a great deal of time there, but 
yeah, twelve years was getting pretty long in the tooth. How did you how did you avoid getting fired? <laughs> I don't know. I I, uh, I mean, I came close with that crazy door story. <laughs> right, right. Um, it's uh, you know, it's 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 it, it was really it was really remarkable how much people you you everybody was on the writers are on 13 week cycles so it's like your constant your contract's constantly renewed 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 and you know unless you're crazy they're not going to fire you after the first 13 but that second 13 <laughs> is that's really and it it is remarkable how many of the firings come at that point it's like oh wow it's that's, like it's brutal it is yeah like that's the point that's where it's 26 weeks yeah oh. and so that's the point where people where the show has a pretty I, good idea does this person have the voice or not yeah. you know and so usually a lot of people get fired at that point if you make it through that it's it's rare that you know suddenly you've been working there two years and they realize and they say oh you've changed you, you know like mm-hmm. usually if you get through that it's like okay i got the voice of the show i, I can i can do this mm-hmm. yeah so you were 12 years in mm-hmm. and you were you were ready for a change yes um uh 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 i guess you're wondering what i've done since huh well, no, I, I, just, no, I was wondering why, why you wanted to leave. Right, this is now we, where we go into the sad. <laughs> this is where the E True Hollywood stories turns black and white, and oh, poor you, you've Tom. You've done quite a yes, bit. Yes, I've done. Then. Oh, I've done quite well. Look, as far as leaving, it was, it was you know, through no fault of his own. I think by his own admission, Dave, Dave had been doing it a long time. And so, you know. I think he was getting a little bored with things. And so, and like what he found rewarding was kind of just him talking, like getting stuff off his chest. And so the show was becoming more and more of that. And so it was a little less satisfying. There was a lot of him just kind of sitting and just kind of like, yeah, yeah, here's what, here's what Uncle Dave's thinking today. You know, and and so, um, uh, so yeah, it was kind of, you know, for a few years there towards the end, I was like, this is not quite as creatively fulfilling as, as Mm -hmm. I had hoped. And so... You know, I had kind of been thinking for a couple of years. I'd been kind of contemplating, and then yeah. finally it got to the point. Where I was like, "Yeah, I really need to do some other thing." Like, I, I just pr- creatively want to write some other things mm-hmm. and try other things. Yeah. How do you think uh, Letterman would do uh, in today's like late night world? Seems like he might have gotten out like at the right time. Yeah, I, I, but I also think that's just that's just a question of like like are you saying like Dave as he is now? Well, he's also you know 70 or right you know i think that's a tough thing but like if dave were 35 today i think he would be the best one there like i think i think he is a great talent and um i think what whenever he came around he would have adapted to what the landscape was and do you think he would have been so uh overtly political as a lot of the uh other shows are i think there is uh, unless you're Jimmy Fallon, there's no way to avoid being political when Donald Trump is the president. Right. You know, I, I think if if you have a brain in your head, you have to you have to address that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because he because the Letterman and Letterman kind of knows Trump a little bit, right? Uh, when I say knows Trump, he's yeah, had him on the show. Yes, before, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, I don't think they, they they're hang, not friends. They I don't, don't hang out that. a lot. Yeah, um, but yeah, he he was he was yeah he was a guest for years and years and years and years and years. Yeah, that's that's just so wild. It's 
<laughs> it turns out it's a little crazy that he became president. Yeah. Yeah. Because Letterman, I feel like, I mean, I, I, I think I was like, there's like a famous interview with Letterman and Trump, I feel like, like way, like a long time ago, like in the 80s, maybe. Uh, I think I watched it like, I think when I said okay. famous, I think I saw it on Twitter, like, hey, watch this. Okay. Like, in like the 80s. And I was like, oh, this is well known. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I feel like Letterman would kind of make fun of Trump. Like yes. Letterman, that's kind of one of Letterman's things in the interviews, is kind of making fun of the celebrities a little bit. Too oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think I think he was. Look, the the, the thing that I think first, um, uh, and here's here's another thing that that. What, what are your demographics here on this? Demographics? Yeah, what are you, it's young kids listening, right? Probably young kids. I'm, see, I'm old, so this is, this is a chance where, where I can educate you guys. <laughs> but one thing that I find interesting is, you know, for all the talk, we live in, a, in an age of, the golden age of TV. You know, right. and, and, and it's true. There's so many great shows, and it's, it's fantastic. But young people may not realize, in the 1980s, television was horrible. <laughs> it was it was just awful. And what was great about Dave is he was kind of like you didn't I hadn't really seen it before where he kind of came out and he kind of stuck a pin in show business or you know kind of pricks show business and and like pointed out like this is awful. This is awful. This is awful. This celebrity's stupid. You know all of these so uh, show business clichés are stupid and like People weren't doing that. People were just kind of accepting, oh, if it's on TV, it must be good. And, and like, that kind of, like, yes, the way he kind of, you know, punctured the aura of celebrity is, is what first got me yeah. excited about his show. No, yeah, I think that's definitely something that, like, people copied from him mm-hmm. throughout. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he, yeah, he, he yeah, really influenced a, mm-hmm. a ton of comedians in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've you've also written uh, a few humor humor books. I have, yes. You've written a few uh, oral histories, fake oral histories. Fake, fake, sorry, fake See, oral. Yes, which which I thought I thought this was going to be my ticket yeah. <laughs> out of uh, I don't know I don't I don't know Not... <laughs> out of life. <laughs> I, yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, what they are are fake oral histories. Which when I thought of that format i thought this is the greatest thing ever and this is going to be so successful they're not that successful (laughs) i've written two books and they're fine you know but like i i I do feel like i'm proud of those books i think they're very funny and i think i i think the fake oral history it's just a great delivery system for jokes and um, yeah i think i I think it's one of the better like humor systems yeah yeah. like i think even you see like like click hole now they have like the quotes they have that yeah 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 yeah, yeah, and they do the fake oral histories too yes so so yeah so I uh, uh, there's a guy Brendan O'Hare who is a, yeah he's really funny yeah he is very funny so I I, I, I worked on this um, uh, John Stewart was going to do an HBO oh right yeah, so I, I was I was head writer on that project uh, and and uh, um, Brendan was there and yeah he told me about the fake oral history thing and he insists they didn't steal the idea from me but uh, uh. well I shouldn't say too much now because lawyers are involved um, yeah but it's a great yeah. It's a great format. What gave you the idea to do the the books? Uh, the first one was about George W. Bush, and that's uh, you, you know back in the innocent days when I thought that's <laughs> as bad as a presidency could get. And uh, uh, <clears throat> yeah, and so so what it was it was it was it was it it's 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 telling his a book telling his life story through fake memories of those around him, you know, in, in a fake oral history format. And I just thought like, oh, this is a story I want to tell. Here's a funny way to do it. Um, yeah, 
And so, uh, you know. How'd you go about, like, uh, doing it? Like, did you, like, contact your uh, publisher or... Uh, I, uh, I contacted my manager and I was like, I have an idea for a book. Here's the idea. And he's like, oh my gosh, that's great. So there's this agent who handles a lot of funny books, you know, and he's like, put me in touch with that guy. So I have drinks with that guy. I tell him the idea. He was like, oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> this is a can't miss idea. He was like, this is, this is such an idea. It's such a great idea. You, you will get a book advance. You will get a six figure book advance. You know, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, it comes back a couple weeks later. Okay, got your advance. It's seven thousand five hundred dollars. <laughs> Which what? <laughs> Which uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think that tells you everything you need to know about a my career, <laughs> b the state of publishing. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, and and how do you balance like a late night job with writing like a book? Um, that I had to be I had to be very disciplined because because it was like it was literally like I wrote it I, I forget the time frame but it was like you know they wanted it out by such and such a date which meant you know because books have long production times uh, so it was like I have three months to write it and so like I literally calculated okay I have to do this many pages in three months. And I'm working at Letterman, and so it was like I was very diligent. Like I would wake up early and write for an hour on the book before work, mm. and then all weekend work on the book, and and like really kind of had a schedule mapped out. If I like, if I'm diligent, I can get this done by you know the end of the year. And yeah, it yeah. worked out. Yeah, that takes a lot of dedication to do that. Yeah, yeah, it uh, yeah. And do not get the idea that it, that 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 was an anomaly for me, America. <laughs> uh, to you, what are like the what makes a good humor book? Um, uh, do you if I, if I could plug somebody uh, uh, for you? Uh, have you read Simon Rich at all? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I think I think his humor books are just the best. Yeah. Uh, Simon Rich is a guy who who wrote for Saturday Night Live. Um, he did a show called Man Seeking Woman right, on yeah. FX, which I thought also was very funny. But he's got he's got some humor books that are outstanding. He got a new show coming out, I do believe. Yeah, he does. On yeah, based yeah. on another one of his books. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like for anybody out there, which I'm guessing is a sizable number, interested in writing comedy, uh, I would recommend Simon Rich books. Yeah, he's he's really good. <laughs> yeah. So when you when you left Letterman, yes. Uh, what's it like getting back in the job market after like 12 years and before then you weren't really looking probably too right, hard. right, 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 right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, there, there, there are ups and downs, yeah. you know, there, there are, yeah, there are times where, you know, I, I, fortunately I kind of, I kind of did this. I left Letterman when my wife and I were expecting our first child. So I've kind of had the past, we have two kids, and so I've kind of, even times that have been kind of uh, slow work-wise, I've been home yeah. raising kids. So it's 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 never really felt like unemployment. It's just felt like, damn, I'm a good father. I, <laughs> I, I really am there for these kids. <laughs> uh, but you did write on How I Met Your Mother? Yes, yes, yes. I, I had that happen from the Letterman guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These uh, two guys, uh, uh, Carter Bays and Craig Thomas, who created the show, and then uh, this other guy, Chris Harris, who was another writer, Letterman writer who was, a, who was kind of like third in charge over there. Um, yeah, they're all great guys, and they invited me to come out, and 
it was just a great, great experience. Yeah. And you, and you wrote uh, one episode? Wrote one episode. Did you did you pitch that episode, or you just it was assigned it to It was, let me think. Uh, it's like I flew out there, and they had the, they had kind of a little skeleton of, you know, here's what we're thinking happens in this episode. And so then it's like a group of a few of us then spent a couple of weeks um, kind of fleshing out the outline okay. further. And then I took a weekend and like wrote the draft. And then it was a couple of weeks of everybody punching it up, mm-hmm. you know, and shooting it. Um, yeah, it was really good. How much experience did you have like uh, writing sitcom stuff? That was the first. That was the first yeah. sitcom stuff I did. What was that like doing I, that? I liked it a lot, and I, I, um, I've just spent the past year uh, developing this show for IFC, and they got this. Uh, they have this uh, unique uh, uh, <laughs> uh, dynamic where most people, you know, like they shoot a pilot, and then if they like it, they yeah. they put it on the air. Uh, IFC like. They want they want everything written before they commit to shoot anything. So I basically spent the last year uh, writing a first season for a sitcom. Wow! <laughs> and now we see whether or not they shoot it. Um, but I wow, I, that's yeah, it's very interesting. Which it has been great because again, like I've been working from home with kids, and so it's yeah. it's it, it's been a blast for a year, and I'm really proud of what I have. Um, but it's it's just interesting. Um, uh. And how many episodes are you in? Uh, eight. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we'll see. Um, I loved it. I, I, one thing, I, I, like, if I have a strength as a writer, I think it is might be dialogue, um, mm. and like that is a muscle like you really don't get to use much in late night. And so, writing sitcom stuff now, I kind of feel like, oh my gosh, you know, like the bulk of my career, I was doing this kind of writing where I wasn't even getting to do the thing that. I kind of like the most. So, right. so that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. It is fun just writing like sitcom, di- like just writing jokes. Like yeah, 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 it yeah. Is just, it's, you do get a lot out of it, I think, that you don't get to doing like a Twitter or doing something else. Right, right. And also, I just, I just, I, I like, I like finding characters' voices and then, and, mm. and, you know, getting jokes through a character's voice, you know, and I, I feel like, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I really like about writing. And so that's been, that's been cool. And so, uh, after How I Met Your Mother, yes. you, you worked on the, like you said before, the Goodwin Games. The Goodwin Games. Which yes. was, by the way, a good show. Oh, wow, thank you. I will say, I, I, I remember that show when, I, when it came out. I watched it. I thought it was, I, it was pretty I funny. I am surprised, A, you've heard of it, and uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, I think, I think we had a good thing going there. I will, I will tell you uh, uh, um, <laughs> the story I like uh, from that time. So... For, for those of you who don't know, it was it was a it was a Fox uh, sitcom with like T.J. Miller, Scott Foley, um, and it was it was it great was, cast. It was a great cast, really good writing team, um, and it, it felt like we had something kind of good. And we wrote the first episode. Uh, it was the first table read, and so. I was still relatively new to the sitcom world, and so I'm out there in California, and it's the first table read, and so it's like all the big shot network people come, all the big agents, you know, and everyone, and they do a big table read. And the table read, huge laughs. Like, everybody loved it. And, like, again, I, I had no experience in that world, but I'm kind of feeling like this seems good. And then, But then afterwards everyone was like, oh, it's never this good. It's never... Yeah. And so, like, people were, like, really, really thinking, like, this show might be something. And... Everyone felt great for 45 minutes, and then we got we got word back that Kevin Riley, who was then the uh, the head of Fox, yeah. didn't like it, 
and so but but it was really vague why he didn't like it and so then we're kind of trying to retool the show but it's like the game telephone you, you know <laughs> you, you, we're, it's, we're, we're getting third hand word what he didn't like and so we're trying to you know uh and so we're trying to to shoot in the dark of what should we change. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, we got word from someone there, which I will say up front, this story may sound apocryphal. I, I, I am told this is true, that the day we had the table read was Kevin Riley's birthday. And he was furious that his birthday was not acknowledged in the room. <laughs> and from that... The show didn't have a chance, <laughs> which sounds stupid. But then also, it's like so many other stories you, you know, hear it, about, it, it, of Hollywood, it, and <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Although you do hear Kevin Riley, I have heard is a good guy. I've actually heard. All right. Well, in that case, I'm I'm sorry. No, well, I'm no, sorry. But, but even I think even a good guy. And just is, in the <laughs> off chance that today is his birthday, happy birthday, Kevin Riley. Yeah, happy you birthday, know? Kevin Riley. <laughs> Wow. All right, maybe he's a good guy. Maybe that story didn't happen, in which case... When I say good guy, I mean he's he's known as a good... He's a good executive. Or, like, he, he's got a good eye for, for shows. Like, he was at FX, I think, too. Oh, was he? All right. Uh, but, 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 but that doesn't mean Kevin that. Riley, happy birthday, and I would love to work together at some point <laughs> if you would give me a call. Um, I have a big cake! <laughs> so, I mean, which, that leads me to, like, how do you even take notes, like... From people who might not even be giving, who don't know what they're doing necessarily, or don't know what they're what they're trying to say. Yeah, that's that's gonna happen anywhere you anywhere you go. Like 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 the example I gave with the this when we did the top tens for the celebrities. Like yeah. often you're getting notes back from the publicist, and you can be fairly certain the publicist has not spoken to the celebrity, and you're mm. you know so like you're always getting notes that you're not sure if the the real person in charge really thinks that. And so you always kind of try to navigate as best you can in a case-by-case basis where, like, I think this is probably what they're getting at, or I'll address this note, but I really don't think the person would object to this, so I'm going to leave that the same. You know, right. so you just try to case-by-case. Case. Yeah. When, when a show gets canceled kind of unexpectedly... yes. Uh, is it difficult to then try to find like another job after that, or is it like is it like you're kind of like upended immediately? Oh yeah, it was it was it was horrible. Like yeah. the the, the uh, they uh, well, so so what happened with this the Goodwin Games is is so so uh, we 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 you know we ended up shooting seven episodes, but it was supposed to be twelve, and it was like literally on a Thursday night like shooting the seventh episode we got a call like tomorrow's the last day <laughs> and like so you, you you had like five episodes written ready to go uh, six seven oh, se- so yeah. we'd shot we had shot seven but another a bunch more others written right, that were yeah. waiting to be shot that and like you know there was like you know the next episode like took place like it was like a there was something somehow it involved like a ferris wheel and like the props people had built a Ferris wheel, and it was like out the window. I saw this Ferris wheel that, like, now would just be destroyed. <laughs> it's 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 very sad. Yeah. So, like, yeah, all these people, like, their life is 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 uh, uh, cut like that. As I said, I was kind of I was only in LA for that mm-hmm. show. So once it got canceled, I got back in the car and drove back to New York. Um, so yeah, kind of uh, yeah, my job hunt then yeah. began back east. If, if that show had stayed, would you would you have moved to L.A.? 
Yeah, I would have. I would have. I, I, I was happy yeah. with, with the show. So yeah, I would have stayed. Mm-hmm. I would have stuck it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. My, yeah, my wife. Uh, I, my wife and uh, I, I had one child at the time, so they were still back in New York and and to see what happened with the show. But like, if it had gotten picked up for a, ne- a year or two, we would have. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you worked. You mentioned earlier you worked on the uh, the John Stewart HBO yes. thing that didn't uh, actually go. Yes. Series. Yes. Uh, what was that? How'd you get hired for that? Um. I was uh, the head writer at the Larry Wilmore show, right. and John was an executive producer of that show. Um, I, my wife and I and kids were living in Brooklyn, and it was getting really tight in our Brooklyn apartment, so we, were, we had been planning to move to Jersey. Uh, we bought a house in New Jersey. We were getting ready to move, and then it just so happened I heard John was starting up this HBO animation idea, and uh, uh, he was going to be doing it kind of out of his neighborhood uh, down in Jersey, and so oh wow, yeah, and so it was like uh, suddenly a very oh. a very cool job, yeah. um, <laughs> and so yeah, so I expressed my interest to John. We talked, and uh, yeah, he was nice enough to hire me for that. Yeah, so I mean, so I, I guess what I know about that show, yeah. it was supposed to be like an animation, yes, in uh, of current events. Sort of, yeah. I, I, I uh, uh, kind of, kind of living in a world of two different twenty-four-hour cable news stations, um, a liberal one and a conservative oh. one. And so we, um, we spent a bunch of months kind of like creating that world, like, like imagining, okay, who are the, who are the on-air personalities at these stations? You know, who, who, what are the shows? Um, and that was all really fun, and 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 I thought we kind of had a good, a lot of funny ideas. Um, it so was, it was so it was kind of like so you get it straight. It was kind of like um, you created like these fictional news stations, yes, that were kind of based on kind of uh, Fox News and MSNBC sure. a little bit, yeah. And then they're going to like digest the news differently by each one. Each one. Uh, what it was going to be, it, yeah. it, it was not going to be, the initial plan was not for it to be on HBO proper. It was going to be on, like, HBO Go. Oh, I see. And so, like, what, what it was going to be is we were just going to make these little short videos that every day would get sent out oh, to people. Oh, cool. Um, and it could be, you know, it could be, you know, one day you could get one from the conservative one, one day from the liberal, you know. And so it, it just kind of opened, it was a pretty big playing field, you know, yeah. because of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and, and it was, you know, obviously all animated. And... The the big thing is just just um, we started this project um, confident in the idea that there was going to be like really kind of high quality animation that could be turned around lightning quick, which is what you need for doing a topical you know yeah uh, topical humor like that. Um, and it, it just it it the animation just kind of proved a little tough. And, yeah. And, and yeah, it was it was it just took longer than than kind of was feasible. Right, for that kind of project. Yeah. Did you Did you guys like actually like see like like write stuff and then like see like an animation? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah there was, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of R and D, uh, and yeah. yeah, and uh, it just uh, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, uh, the, there's that Showtime show, uh, our cartoon president. Yes, which kind of is is similar. Well, I mean, it's like a, a current news animation. Yes, thing. yes. And uh, it's interesting to see that show. Yeah. Uh, and would this kid have been in a similar vein? Yeah, I, I, I we are getting into now a level yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Of, of, of no, of just technical stuff that 
I don't right. fully understand. So uh, uh, people uh, feel free to bang down my door if I'm speaking out of turn. But um, it seemed to me that like the style of animation they do is a little easier to turn around, and the style of mm. animation that John liked the look of and wanted was. It, 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 you know, in dumb die, die guy terms, it's just like it was kind of a little, a little different, a little fancier, maybe yeah. you know, a little more Pixar style, and and that proved kind of a little tough. What was it like working with uh, John Stewart? Oh my gosh, he was he was the nicest, funniest, smartest guy. Uh, yeah, I think I've ever dealt with. He was he was an absolute pleasure in every respect. He he was really just great. Just uh, a great guy. I saw him do a stand-up uh-huh. in Boston yeah. uh, with Chappelle, uh-huh. and it was uh, incredible. Was it? Yeah. yeah. They're both really good. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They are, they are pretty yeah. good. Um, yeah, he, he, uh, he's just everything Everything you want to believe to be true about him is true. Mm-hmm. He's, he's that good a guy. It must have been a, a real bummer, to say the least, when you know the show couldn't go. Yeah. I actually, I, I actually the aforementioned IFC thing... Um, uh, uh, while I was working on the John thing, uh, I had written the first episode for this IFC thing, and they liked it, and so then they wanted to try to pursue this thing becoming a show. So yeah. I kind of left a little bit before the end of the John thing. Oh, I see. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was uh, um, yeah, it was it, it's it's really yeah, it's really sad because yeah. because I think everybody wants John, uh, as much of uh, John Stewart in their lives as they uh, as they can get. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 so interesting to think that he left like right before. Yeah, it, I mean the country got, it the, got the most devices. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, but yeah, but I think he, I think he kind of uh, paid his dues in the muck for <laughs> a long yeah. time, and and I don't begrudge him kind of wanting to, you know, he's he's uh, 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 he's. A tremendous father, also like mm-hmm. like uh, you know a lot of celebrities like kind of uh, you know say uh-huh. that you know but like with him it's legit like he yeah. like he really wants to be there for his kids mm-hmm. for dinner every night and and you know he's he's just yeah and, and he's I, got more important things to worry yeah. about right now. I think you definitely have to respect. I remember he said like he just didn't want to do the show like he didn't want to like he didn't feel like he was a hundred percent invested as he used to be. Yeah, I think it's just natural that when you do it mm-hmm. that long that. Yeah. But you know he's also getting paid you know millions of dollars. So I mean I think no. So I think that's like even more commendable that he would like say like leave that money behind. Yes. And, like to just like yeah, if not feeling into it. Yeah. 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 Like I I think I think hosting those kind of shows is just such a grind. Um, uh, and like you know when I did it, and believe me, being a writer is nothing like being the host. You know, like I'm in no way equating you know, but just. Uh, uh, but just like all those years I spent at Letterman, like I did not have kids yet, and and on purpose, like that was my life. Like I was there just constantly, and then it was like when my wife and I were thinking about having kids, I was like, okay, I'm gonna leave Letterman because, yeah. like, you know, I don't want to be doing this when you have kids because that's just right. That's hard. That's really hard. Uh, so the nightly show you mentioned that yes, how'd you get hired for the nightly show? Um, I, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I guess I wrote stuff. Uh, the, 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 the guy, um, the guy who, uh, uh, was the, the showrunner, uh, um, uh, Rory Albanese, who is a very, very funny, uh, he's a, he's a very fa- funny stand up, but also a great TV producer. He was 
uh, he produced the John Stewart show, Daily Show for a long time. Um, so he was doing this Larry show. I kind of knew him, and so he liked me. So, uh, uh, you know, he kind of I, – I, I wrote some stuff uh, that he, Larry – uh, Robin Thede, who's producer, Amy Ozel's another producer. Uh, they all liked it, and uh, yeah, they got uh, got hired. Yeah, uh, how was that writers' room different from Letterman? Um, it, it it was different in that it was it was a lot of people's first jobs at, at mm. Wilmore, whereas at Letterman you had been people who had been writing for Dave a long time. So so there's there's. You know, it, it, you know, there's it's good and bad. It, it, it's at the at the Wilmore show. It was kind of exciting because we were starting a new thing. There wasn't like this twenty year history that we were kind of beholden to. You know, we were kind of starting a new show, and it was people with fresh perspective. But then also, you know, there's there's learning curves because it's really hard to start a new show. Like, right. You know, um, which is kind of like the opposite for like for you because you were like new to Letterman. New, that was your first job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah. came to Wilmore with a lot of experience. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Um, uh, but it was, it was, I mean, it was great people and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, I, I really, I enjoyed it a great deal. Yeah. What's it like writing for, uh, Wilmore versus Letterman? Um, it was, I guess the biggest difference to me was that style of, um, uh, you know, Larry was very much of that daily show style where it's sort of that seven minute, you know, opening essay. Um, so that was different. The 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 uh, 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 practically um, the biggest difference is um, in those Daily Show model shows. There's like after rehearsal, there's like a rewrite session where you know the executive producer, the host, the head writer, another writer or two go into a room and then really just line by line rewrite the script. And that 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 is such a different way than how like Letterman is written where it's right. it's more you know a, a, a collection of jokes that you're kind of placing and you yeah. know and then also Dave's just riffing a lot here it's like you're really writing you know you know everything is scripted and um, so it's, it's a very different uh, it's, yeah process. it's interesting to think was like Letterman was it like written all in like one document at any point like for the show no it was I mean there was a script but yeah it was, script, it was a yeah. collection of little yeah, scripts you know kind of yeah and then you became the the head writer uh, yes, yes. How'd uh, that happen? Uh, uh, Robin Thede, who is the head writer and is also an incredible performer, uh, and she now has her own late night talk show on BET. So she was a hugely important on camera presence uh, uh, for the Wilmore show. So this kind of just gave a little more flexibility where I took over some of the you know the, the head writing duties, so she could focus. You know, she still wrote great stuff, but also could focus a little mm-hmm. bit more on performing because she was on the show all yeah. the time. What were your head writing duties? Uh, <laughs> well, it's like uh, uh, it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's your. It, uh, I don't want to bore people, but if it's like you know, you're 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 very involved in writing that day's show because it's a topical show and news is breaking fast. Um, but then you also need to have another part of your brain working to start thinking about tomorrow's show, um, and so like. It was like, uh, you know, uh, 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 working working on the script for that day's show, and then in the middle of the day, like at two o'clock, you'd stop for an hour and get everyone together, and then have kind of a pre-production 
uh, um, pitch session to think of like what are we going to do tomorrow, <laughs> right. and then you go back to rehearsal and then you rewrite the you know so uh, yeah so it's kind of wearing a couple yeah it's pretty yeah pretty crazy having all those juggling all those yeah uh, yeah 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 and so it's it's like you know so yeah and and it was it's just weird because like you know so you're you're with the writers for this hour trying to think of what tomorrow's going to be and then you're going down and and Larry's when Larry's getting makeup for rehearsal you're then pitching him for the next day and you know Larry understandably his head's on you know that <laughs> night's show so it's yeah. always it's a very I mean you have to do it but it's 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 a weird kind of dynamic because it's like you know hey for a second forget about tonight's show that we're you right. know really all obsessing on and let's let's talk tomorrow you know <laughs> and so it's it's uh of weird with like all that stuff going on how do you also deal with like breaking news coming in well that's yeah that's that's that would you know it's, that would be a big uh, a big factor and yeah. and and what we kind of yeah what, what what you end up trying to do is like on a show like wilmore where it's act one comedy act two comedy act three guest um you sort of try to leave the act one open day of to to react to what's going on that day and then you try to write an act two maybe the day before that's topical but also a little bit evergreen that you know that you you know that like okay we can get this in place Mm -hmm. for tomorrow so we have something and then you know day of we'll be reacting to whatever is breaking at that moment and so Larry Wilmore is a black man and the show was maybe well maybe unfairly pigeonholed as a show about like black issues uh, at times, right, right, right. It's, it's, that's certainly part of it, but there's more to it than that. But uh, how would you approach writing for the show as like a white guy? Um, I, I mean, that's a great question, and 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 you know, there were a lot of African Americans on staff, and so like I, I, you know, I tried to be sensitive to you know, here's where I think I can weigh in on something. Mm-hmm. Here's where I think like I gotta say, yeah. you know. It is for other people to speak and, and mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, I am, you know, I, I need to listen yeah. <laughs> for this part of the conversation. <laughs> so, yeah, you're just you're just doing that kind of mm-hmm. that kind of uh, dance. Yeah. Uh, why do you think the show got canceled? Um, I uh, it's I mean, it's 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 really, really hard uh, to do these shows. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's. What I was saying earlier about Twitter, it's it's in some respects these shows um, are less needed than they were, you know, twenty years ago because people are already making topical jokes everywhere you can look, and yet there's also, you know, conversely more of them than ever. So it's it is just such a a crowded landscape, um, and you know I think I think Larry did a great show and uh, and. You know, I'm proud to have been there. I think everybody was proud to have been there. And the fact that it got canceled, I think, is just testimony because there's a lot of those shows, right. you know. Um, yeah. How do you think, in general, comedy and, like, political satire has, like, dealt with Trump? Uh, I think... Uh, I think... Uh, I mean, I, I, think, I think well... Uh, I look. I, I I find it cathartic because there are there are a lot of things going on that I just cannot believe this country is doing. Right. Um, and I find 
comedy is where I get the most catharsis from people kind of pointing to things and being like, this is crazy. This is shouldn't how it, how this, I can't believe this is how things are. And whereas a lot, I think there's been a lot of great journalism, but just by the nature of journalism, the journalism doesn't capture the outrage that I think a lot of us feel. Because, mm. um, you know, the New York Times, you, you know, there's all that debate about, you know, why won't the New York Times ever, you know, use the word lie with Trump, you know? And so, like, you know, journalists are, 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 are careful and, 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 you know, sometimes you want a more visceral reaction. I think comedy provides that. Mm. It is interesting. You get kind of more of uh, the people. Like, it, like when you when you look at, uh, like, SNL sketches, you kind of understand the era... I think pretty well mm-hmm. when you see like the political sketches of those times. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, I, 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 I do agree with people who say like, it's, it's a really hard time to write comedy because yeah. we are living in a parody, uh, you know, and it's, yeah, you know, and I think, I think you're seeing more of that at, at SNL where it's like the things they have Trump saying is not that much different than right. what Trump is saying. And, and, you know, that's, that's tough for comedy. It's hard, it's hard to find a take on Trump. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. when 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 your outrageousness is exactly like what the guy says in real time, uh, yeah, that that that's tough. It is funny when you think about like in the seventies, like they had Gerald Ford and they just did him falling. Yeah, down. yeah, 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 yeah. And now it's like Trump, and there's like you can't do. There's nothing. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Uh, so, what would you like to be doing next? You have the uh, you got the show with the... yeah it's it's I'm sort of waiting to hear about the IFC thing. Yeah. Um, actually, tonight I'm doing this thing. Um, the New York TV Festival's going on right now, and um, they uh, they had this thing where uh, they're doing a, a live reading of a, of a show that never aired. Um, oh. Like the like the Writers Guild kind of asked people for like, hey, send us your failed pilots, and and <laughs> and I have nothing but <laughs> computers full of failed pilots. Uh, and so anyway, uh, one I wrote, they, they they picked, and so tonight there's going to be like a live reading. Of, oh, it's awesome! Yeah, and so so that should be fun, you know. Yeah, you know, kind of this thing that I never thought would get any sort of audience is now at least going to have you know. A, one night. <laughs> I was thinking about like the pilot process, and I guess yeah, this is the, this is maybe uh, a positive thing, like the thing that your development deal you have with the IFC right yeah, now yeah, yeah, yeah. is that like they spent networks spend all this money yeah. for these shows that just go nowhere, right? And, like they get filmed and shot, and then they're just thrown away. Yeah, and it's just like it's, it's a waste of like time, money, yeah. and energy. It's a waste of everything. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I mean I think IFC is it's pretty smart what they're doing because you know I think a lot of networks have a frustration in that. Based on a pilot, they'll they'll pick up a show, and then you know by episode five, um, the writers sometimes will make a left turn, you mm-hmm. know, because they're kind of you know you know you're you're writing quick, and there's a lot of episodes you need, and and, and you're making creative choices that sometimes can take your show into a dead end, and then some, sometimes episode eight comes around, and you realize, oh my god, we're you know, and <laughs> and IFC kind of wants to avoid that, and so they're like. We're only going to green light the show if we know exactly where this is going, and we are right. happy with that direction. And so, you know, I think that's that's a smart way to spend your money. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we're going to wrap up. Okay. With you giving your thoughts on a sketch idea. Okay. All right. So this would be like a, a Super Bowl halftime show. Okay. And so someone like like a, like a Justin Timberlake gotcha. has to like drop out. Okay. Uh, so they replace him with like a, a comedian. Uh huh. And it's like um kind of like a low energy comedian. Yeah. So he's just doing these like. 
kind of normal energy bits, and like all around him, there's like fireworks. I think that's hilarious. And people dancing, like Stephen Wright hosting. Stephen Wright, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's very funny. Yeah, Yeah. something I could never do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of production value there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The Pepsi halftime with you know (laughs) Stephen Wright doing his kind of his (laughs) unique take. I think that's very funny. Yeah. All right. I love it. Cool. Let's make that happen. Let's make it happen. Hey, then will me. Thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything you want to plug? Uh, nah. I don't know. My kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have two great kids. I plug them. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, when's this thing gonna air? Uh, this Wednesday. This so Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, as I said, I have that live reading tonight. So yeah. if anyone has access to any sort of time traveling <laughs> right. device. Uh, yeah, July 16th tonight, uh, <laughs> New York City. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you can do that. Okay. Uh, thanks for coming to the show. Tremendous. Thanks for having me. Boardwalk Audio Podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.